1: Good evening and welcome to episode 19 of the AI Comic Pod. Um, it's your host Rory Greenfield, uh, as always joined by Stu Bridson. How you doing, mate? I'm good, thank you very much. Very good. Uh, this week we are covering Sin City. It's come up quite a few times from listeners and, and it's something we, we thought we kind of need to explore at one stage or another. I think before we go into that, we'll probably discuss a little bit of news about the pod because we've not been on for a couple of weeks or so. It's been yeah, a while. Yeah, I think
2: we, we decided we had to have a bit of a bit of a gap, didn't we? Because it, it's been difficult with there being so much football on, and because the the last one came out quite late in the week. So we we want to make sure we've got a little bit of a gap between between recordings because we've got to give all twelve of our fans time to really listen and digest.
1: Yeah, exactly. We, we so, we've no, made the no.
2: big time. Now we're into double figures, so we're going to start going really Hollywood now and having catchphrases and all kinds.
1: <laughs> t-shirts, man. The T-shirts are on the cards. Uh,
2: so, shooty one, stabby one, scratchy one. I'm working on it. Um, exactly. I, I've got a guy
1: you got a guy. Good. We need a guy. Um, Talking of guys, uh, I'll just kind of briefly mention, so we've talked about writing for our Tumblr site, and Stu will give you that now instead of at the end of the show. Uh, It's aicomicpod.co.uk. There you go. Nice and straightforward. Um, So we've done a little bit of writing, Stu a little bit more than me, um, and we're going to do a little bit more as as kind of things evolve and expand. Um, But we wanted to kind of introduce some other people who are kind of... Uh, regular kind of listeners and, and some contributors to us so Marco Lopez uh, excellent host of uh, the ex-European show now that we're not in Europe that's a bit tough on Marco but he's he's very regularly involved in, in AI uh, 433 Chris sorry Chris I can't pronounce or remember your surname <laughs> I'm gonna go with it's Vermeulen yeah, see so I, I was thinking of the Islanders in Thomas, but <laughs> um, but that's all that sticks to my head. Anyway, so Chris as well, a regular contributor was um really great guy. And Joey Connors who um I've done uh, you know, a couple of pods with over the time. We did the Warriors on on the excellent movie night. Um and he's he's a massive comic book geek. If you haven't already noticed, um him and Stu that, you know. Uh, nerd it out regularly on, on Twitter and, and discuss all things comics So um, he's going to be coming on soon With uh, with the wonderful Nina Cows Doing Gotham, the TV series Which uh, we're waiting to do But all three are going to write uh, For us and potentially Others moving forward um, And then all three are going to regularly Do a pod with Stu On comics only uh, Not TV and uh, Cinema films So it's something that people have asked for quite a lot and and sometimes people go well why are you not talking about comics and and this and the other I think from our perspective there's a lot of material to cover, obviously try and grow an audience, uh, get some participation and it was kind of a step we were going to take at some stage so that's going to be happening not Every week, uh, certainly not so. Probably one in four pods, I think we, we're gonna look at. Um, so it'll be kind of rotating with those guys, and then maybe other people going forward. There's some great people on, on Twitter, and the, the that and you know that want to get involved at other intervals. So, so yeah, so that's quite big news for us. Um, we're really looking forward to. You know, expanding a little bit and, and continuing to develop with AI and, and introduce some new elements to what we've already done, and yeah, it will be ace. Nice. Well,
2: they Any say, the, the, yeah, they say, don't the variety is the spice of life. So, uh, it, it, like Rory said, we we've been getting asked pretty much since day one: Are we ever going yeah. to do comics? And Joey and I speak very often about comics. Joey makes me look like an absolute. Numpty when it comes to comics, he knows things that I could only dream of
1: well well Chris as well, I must add Chris reads everything he's literally an encyclopedia
2: so. and in and in fairness, Kay does as well Kay reads a lot of stuff because but k k is able to read more because he's gone down the electronic route whereas Joe, Joe and I try and stick to the physicals, but the reason we've we've come up with this is if you have or haven't heard d c uh, are in the middle of a a reboot now called d c rebirth where they've reset their comics back to, to episode zero, and each, each each of their major titles, so Batman, Superman, Flash, Wonder Woman, what have you, Green Lantern, they've all got a one-off uh, called uh, Rebirth, and then they're starting from, from issue number one again. And Joey and I have started collecting some of the same issues. I think we're both collecting Batman and The Flash and Green Arrow. And we've thought, well, if, if once a month... We get together and we talk about the comics, the storylines, what's going on. In particular for me, the way they're drawn. I've always loved the way DC comics are drawn more than Marvel. And it just seems like if we're ever gonna do it, starting at, at day one seems to be a really, really good time to do it. But with the with the prevalence of things like Comixology, which is what Kay uses, I think Chris does as well. And we've got Marvel Unlimited as well. These are online e-comic subscriptions. And just to put it into perspective, I, f- I forget which one of the lads it was who said, I think it might have been Kay, said he bought the whole Spider-Man clone saga, all five uh, graphic novels, he bought all five for less than I paid for one physical copy. I think I paid 25 or £30 pound and he got them all for $25. So, I think
1: I, think I, I better apologise for Marco because I think Skew's got your name wrong about 12 times in the last...
2: Two minutes. Oh, is it Marco who did it, not Ted? <laughs> yes. Oh, well, I don't know. I can only remember like three names and yours is one of them. So. <laughs> and mine's the other. So, I'm a mate. Sorry, Marco. Yes, Marco is the contributor. Kay, I'd love to get
1: involved, but I, I don't know if he is at this stage or, or, or not.
2: So, um... so, so, just to backtrack, Marco has bought <laughs> five electronic volumes for, for the same price I've paid for one. So exactly. it makes it a little bit easier for us. So if we wanted to cover something, say there was a massive, DC, uh, a massive Marvel storyline going on, maybe Civil War 2. If we can't afford to buy the physical comics, it's way easier for us to buy electronic copies, read them and discuss it. But we'll, we'll try and do one a month. It might not pan out as one a month. It could be six weeks. It could be every couple yeah. of months. But, we, but, it, but and, and, do and
1: it. there's recommendations and, and a lot of people have recommended stuff and I, I'm extremely busy. Obviously, get involved writing on AI and football pods and, and you know we both work full time and, and have busy lives. So you know it's it's what we can do and what we can fit in and, and you know hopefully introducing people you know expands that a little bit and makes it easier for us. The one thing I'm just gutted about is that you mentioned spice of life and I couldn't get a vision cookbook joke in there. I'm just absolutely devastated. But. We better
2: move on. I, um, or, if you think of one in a little bit, say the joke and we'll just get Nina to cut it in. Yes. There's always, always room for crafty editing to make us oh, no, sound you way, won way that off.
1: You, you won that quiz from complete, you know, complete editing. It wasn't me being terrible at all. It was
2: complete. It did. I didn't even answer those questions the same guy. No, it wasn't. It was, it was a voiceover artist that we made. Yeah. It was incredible. <laughs> it's amazing what you can do with a bit of modern technology, folks.
1: Right. Speaking of modern technology, um, we're covering Sin City. Uh, the reason we're doing this is because we were talking about this before. It's not one of my favourite films, and it's not one of Stu's. So it's quite rare for us to get not fanboy about things. But there's a lot of elements of this film that that need discussing because I think it's quite pivotal. You know, on a lot of kind of levels, really. So it was it was out in 2005, so it's it's 11 years old. For me, stylistically, coming out of the cinema because I remember watching it at the cinema, it's still one of the things that I've been completely blown away by visually. That's the one thing that struck me, and that's the one thing that strikes a lot of people when they watch this film. Um, you watch it in high definition now, and it, it looks like something recording—you know, completely modern technology. You know, it, it, is,
2: it is stunningly beautiful. I and, can't believe it's that old. Yeah, exactly. It, it like it, it it really i mean i i've just watched it this evening on a on a 720 rip on me on my laptop and it looked brand new it didn't look dated in any way shape or form and i don't know what the technology is that they've used to get that look but it's like watching a living comic isn't it it's like yeah. a moving comic book
1: it's, it's the editing is just, it's just incredible. I mean, it, it almost feels, I mean, when I, when I watched it, it almost felt 3D, and that was kind of before 3D exist, existed. In, in, in Well, it did exist. It's existed for you know, 60 years or whatever, but it, it existed in the, the modern cinema elements of things when Avatar kind of kicked all that off. Um, did you and, watch it in the cinema?
2: Yeah, I did. I don't even remember if I did. I've got a feeling that I did
1: it's when I was a student and I watched it in Leeds um, and I remember it quite vividly just because of the impression it had on me I mean at the time it was quite a hyped film because well it, you know critically it was it was pretty highly rated the cast is huge um, and it's Robert Rodriguez who you know so many links with Quentin Tarantino he was kind of the hot director at the time it's obviously Frank Miller um, very heavily endorsed and it's one of those things that had a lot of buzz and, and if you like films of that genre or that style, it, it was one of those things that I think you, you kind of had to watch at the time. So yeah, I, I remember watching the cinema um, and visually just being like, I've never seen anything like this. And I, I still think I haven't seen anything like it. I mean, uh, we were discussing just before we came on about, you know, other comic book adaptations and a lot of people mentioned Watchmen and um, because it stylistically feels quite similar. And then obviously uh, Zack Snyder's kind of reboot of Superman and Batman vs Superman most recently. He's the closest director, and obviously 300, which was done before. He's the closest director that that would shoot in this style. That's what I was going to say. He is. um, But I don't think any of those films... Watchmen's a good film. um, It looks great. But I, I don't think any of them compete with this uh, in, in terms of visually blowing me away none yeah. of them none of them took me to that place where I went it's like almost like a comic book coming to life in your imagination it, it's it's quite incredible how it does it I mean Kalon uh, excellent guest is talked a lot on daredevil about the visuals and, and the use of colour, especially in the kind of fight scene in the corridor um, and there's a lot of these scenes uh, in this film where blood is, is the only colour that's not black and white
2: uh, Blood so, and eyes
1: Yeah, blood and eyes and one distinct yellow man and that's, you know and obviously, uh, yeah, Goldie with, you know, who's lit up in a dress and a, a, a you know bright kind of You know, gold hair—it's—it's those kind of visuals and scenes that just—they spark something in your your brain that it's just—it's not like anything I'd seen before, and it did—it did did shock me. You know, it it visually kind of blew me away, and that's why I think it it needed discussing, and also because, as I said, you know, director, the way it's written, you know, it's—it's—it's a very popular. It's, it's a dark, edgy comic, so it's not you traditional, you know, but it is it is popular in that, that kind of uh, area of comics, you know. It still stand out, and obviously the cast, it's a huge cast. I, I mean, just rolling off names, so Mickey Rourke, probably one of his comeback films from his career. Clive Owen was, was really big at the time. Bruce Willis, um, Jessica Alba, and then
2: Rosario so, Dawson,
1: and, and my favourite, and there's a lot of the good people in this. Oh, Michael Clark Duncan's obviously in it as well, um, but Benicio del Toro, who is just, he's just magnificent in this film, and just everyone in it is is quite. Well, of, of, of high calibre. I, there's I, there's not bit. many films you'd you go through and see a, a list of, of actors of, of this kind of stature. It's quite incredible, really.
2: There's one that you didn't mention that I thought would have been quite early off your list, Rutger Hauer. Remind me, before I... He, he plays Cardinal Rourke. Yes.
1: And Josh Hartnett's got a very small part in it. Um, Literally, I
2: think... If you were he's to count in the up, first and last scene. He's yeah. probably in for a total of maybe three minutes but yeah, exactly. three, three poignant minutes because it, it really sets the tone and it really, really nicely frames off, doesn't it, when he's in at the end of God, uh, the God,
1: I forgot Frodo as well. How dare I forget the, Frodo. The customer
2: is always right. Really, really signs it off nicely. Yes, he does. Um,
1: and yeah, Frodo, whose name, Elijah Wood, I remembered. Well um, done. He, you know, I think that with it, it it's it's the story which is obviously extremely heavy <laughs> and <Exactly>. brutal <laughs> and and quite shocking as well. I mean, some of the scenes I, I was just like, Oh my God, this is, this is insane. Cause
2: not many, not many, man, not not many stories.
1: Half, no, not many stories push the kind of boundaries that it does. So I thought w- when we were discussing this, see, we can talk about visuals all day, um, but I think we, we're going to talk about each kind of story and each way they're kind of portrayed and played out. Um, so, the first major story is, is is Bruce Willis's at the beginning.
2: That yellow um, bastard.
1: That yellow bastard, exactly. Which,
2: as far as chapter titles go, it's pretty good. I mean, it's very self-explanatory. It is self-explanatory. So,
1: I mean, Bruce is... He, he's playing Bruce Willis, let's be honest. He is. Yeah. But, and he's kind of playing the good cop, you know, and he's doing a role that's quite familiar to him. But... Uh, from the kind of traditional kind of action style that he was and, and you know household name and stuff it, it was quite quite a surprise to see him in the role you know he's taken it up uh michael madsen's his um, partner uh if you could call him that oh. as such, who portrays him and it's just the start of all the corruption and it, it gives you kind of idea of all the backstabbing and the police corruption and the kind of elements that go on in Sin city really and it, so, it starts
2: it off in the right tone doesn't it when you think within within the first few minutes once you get away from the first chapter of uh, the customer's always right yeah it, it really does set the tone when you're talking about an aging cop feels like a failure who's trying to trying to stop a notorious child molester yeah, he's I mean, trying that, to find redemption. That, yeah. that, that's really, really setting the tone for, oh my God, well, if this is happening now, what's going to happen in the next two hours? Well, exactly,
1: yeah, exactly. And it obviously sets a tone for how dark it is, uh, seeing that he takes both his pieces away by blowing off his hand and blowing off his nuts, yeah. um, which is, you know, quite a shocking thing. But what struck to me is, is the way he narr- narrates it. And uh,
2: the he's narration so, is
1: so just... so deprecating, isn't he? Yeah, it's it's really subtle, but it's really clever because you, you're watching a story play out, but he's telling it to you in his voice, and it's quite rare that that's done. And yeah, I I really I really watching it back, and I've watched it obviously quite a few times. I love that about it, and he's got a great voice for it, and it really does work. And the whole style of that and the way it's done, I was just like, what on earth is this film? When I first that scene, I was just like, what have I stumbled into? Almost because. It does. It does set the tone so quickly, you know. Um, and not many films literally just rock up and and, and lay out under the table and
2: such today. Like yeah, they, they, not with you know, such a not with such a, a sensitive uh, subject to be going into. Exactly. You know, it, it, it's the kind of thing that a lot of a lot of films or TV series would really pussyfoot around it. It's it's a bit of a it's understandably a very delicate thing to go for, but they've done it in the right way because there is no way to pussyfoot around it when when you're talking about someone who's abducted a child and is plan on torturing her and doing all all manner of unspeakable things. There's no real way to pussyfoot around it, and it makes it a lot more real because in that situation, I don't know about you, but you imagine, well, you would be. You would be reckless. You wouldn't be... You know, checking your corners and being really meticulous. You would be thinking, "I've got to get in there. I've got to get this done now. I do not want this on my conscience. I don't want to be the cop that failed an eleven-year-old girl." But the, the, the narration—it's the way he keeps calling himself like "stupid old man" and "silly old man." Like nothing he does is good enough, even when he saves a life.
1: Yeah, even when he saves a life he's, it's quite amazing what he does in terms of his style of things, he's ex- extremely self-deprecating you know, no matter what he does
2: um, It's all, always one step away from, from what he, he feels he should be doing even though he saves a girl's life and she at the age of 11 she, she falls in love with him and he becomes some kind of a I don't know, some kind of a focal point in her life, doesn't she? She when Later on when she meets up with him um, when yeah. she's 19, she's She basically says that her entire romantic life, every single person that she's ever compared has has fell short of him because no one, no one could ever live up to the expectation of well, he saved me, you know, in my darkest hour. He's the ultimate knight in shining armor, but he doesn't see himself. He sees even when he saved her, he still sees it as being part of a failure because he didn't save her completely. Because her insistence on staying in contact with him, while it kept him sane. It also left her open to them being found again, and it's... yeah,
1: it's it's one of those where obviously he goes to prison after being shot multiple multiple times um, and surviving. Uh, a lot of people in this are extremely tough. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's one way of
2: saying it. Tough. Yeah,
1: they basically don't die until their head's got off. But you know, it, it's he goes to prison. Uh, he eventually, so he gets a letter from her. She calls herself Cordelia. Um, the prison scene when he's in that solitary confinement, is just incredible. Visually. So there's, no, it, yeah. there's no lighting around it. It's just lit in the jail cell. Um, and he's getting this letter in solitary. What, you know, each week and, and he doesn't expect, you know, her to, to do this. Uh, it's, it's keeping and going. He says that it's the enemy that basically keeps him alive. Um, and then one week, the letter stopped coming. And, and then a few weeks pass by, and he's, he's kind of traipsing the cells and losing his mind. Um, and then a, a finger arrives in the letter, um, which is quite a, a shocking thing for him. So he confesses to it then. So for all the time, he'd not confessed to it. And he confessed to it at that stage, um, and he got released.
2: After he gets a severe ass kicking Oh, he gets me, absolutely he's absolutely battered. Yeah. yeah, he's had every single shade of shit knocked out of him, and he's always held held firm because as long as Nancy was okay, he didn't need he, he didn't need to prove his innocence to anyone. He knew he was innocent. She knew he was innocent, and that's all he cared about. And he'd obviously been threatened by by Junior's father, by the senator, that if he told anyone what had really happened, they would die. Anyone he loved or anyone he told would be killed so he was quite happy to suffer in silence until he thinks that Nancy has has been harmed in some way and of course it turns out she hasn't it's all just a ploy because he, oh why am i forgetting the guy's name junior what's his actual name
1: i can't remember his name actually but yeah
2: he, he need he wants to get to her doesn't he he obviously sees her as being some kind of an unresolved
1: uh, yeah business. he sees uh, he, yeah exactly that and, and... Uh, you know the scene uh when she she's captured and uh, you know he he says that she's a bit old for my taste but which is quite disgusting he's extremely harrowing isn't he to look at um, yeah he's always talking about the stench in the air so obviously what genetic thing happened is, uh, has kind of made him some kind of disgusting horrible looking but also smelling and it almost gets up your nose. I know it sounds strange to say that, but when I watched it, I was like, "You could." It's very, you know, because it's so visual, especially when he's bleeding everywhere. It's it's incredibly kind of thought provoking. That's what I find about that scene. Um, other than that scene being,
2: I mean, really brutal. He looks like he's made of uh, a toxic waste, doesn't he? Because, he does, of, as you yeah. said, because of the because everything else is black and white, he stands out so much more. You, I, I know what you mean. You, sort of, you, you can imagine what he smells like. You, you, you can, it'd be one of those smells that you can taste at the back of your throat where it's so bad. Makes I mean, you wretched. Yeah. yeah, the bit where he, where he shot him in the car and he goes to get him. He, he, he picks up a bit of the blood and as he puts it to his nose, he recoils in horror. It smells that bad. Yeah. And you, yeah. And you really do get a, a sense of that that you wouldn't get if it wasn 't monochrome because the, yeah the yellow it's, it's against... all about yeah it 's all about the
1: visuals that make it I mean you know even in the first scene, you know, just to go back to it briefly, when Josh Hartner uh, lights a cigarette and she 's got those piercing blue eyes before that everything 's black and white and it's it 's quite amazing how it suddenly triggers certain things, so yeah, the scene when he's he 's taken her to a to a barn after he's after i forgot he'd been he'd been hung <laughs> and, yeah.
3: during,
1: and during the hanging process he starts doing the same self-deprecating you know <laughs> speaks to himself saying don't give it up old man you know you can do this Tighten your neck muscles you know it's he's quite an incredible kind of like not anti-hero but you know a hero in the sense that he doesn't really want to be. He's not trying to be. He's just trying to do the right thing. So obviously he tracks him down.
2: Eventually, I can't remember. He, he struggles to lift his gun, doesn't he? Or oh, he stabs him in he's the chest. Shot. As, yeah. he, as he's running up to the barn, somebody shoots him from the back. Yeah. But he, he manages to to get there. But and it, it completely replicates the scene on the docks, doesn't it? He says, you, "Yeah, it, exactly. You can't, you can't yeah. even lift that cannon." And. You think he's about to do the same again and like shoot his other ear off, but this time he genuinely can't lift.
1: No, exactly. But he plugs him, brings him in, stabs him in the stomach, um, and then
2: proceeds to
1: remove both of his pieces again quite, quite viciously. And then just pounds him into the ground, doesn't he? Until he's just pounding the, and pounding the, the, you know the bone and crushed blood and stuff yeah that was,
2: was, i'm not sure what that counts out i'm not sure is that i'm i'm crap with my english language is that onomatopoeia when he says at some point i'm just i'm just pounding bits of of wet bone into the into the decking on the floor or something and it, it's one of those in the same way you can smell him you can imagine the feel you're like oh it's a really distinctive graphic way of describing a scene it's, isn't it yeah it
1: really is um and he's done what he's set out to do at the end of the day. You know, Nancy thinks she wants his life with him, but I think she knows she can't have that having seen him, uh, you know, and and he does the right thing. And then he, he he says that he could try and take Brock down and he can try and, you know, but the system's too corrupt. Um, and in his eyes, he does the honourable thing and, and shoots himself in the head. And I mean, that scene alone, again, visually, just like, mind-blowing scene because it's it's that black and white i don't think the blood's red is
2: it no it's, it's just it's, white but you, yeah you know, the way you you see the spurt out the back of his head and it goes full comic book with that doesn't it it's, it does it's, go full it, comic it's book, a silhouette yeah. but it's a it's a, a comic silhouette the, the way they've done it with the, i just had a very quick scan it was all to they were one of the first films that adopted full hd cameras and the yeah. whole thing was shot against green screen
1: yeah I, I, yeah, I think I remember that at
2: the time, actually, because I found it quite interesting. Um, Whereas it's... now it's become a lot more more common practice. But at the time, it was CGI. Green screen was only used for special effects, like if you were flying or if you were falling. They were doing it for, obviously, cinema escapes and, and yeah. streets. that There was only three physical sets they built. One of them was the bar. One of them was the girl's apartment with Brittany Murphy, whose name's completely gone out of my head. And then I forget what the third one was, but the rest of it was all superimposed or animated backgrounds that the they tweaked with to give it that look. And even though that the, the shoot the the bit where Hardigan shoots himself in the head, probably one of my favourite scenes visually, even though it's just black and white and it's only about ten seconds, if that. I, th- just, I think it 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 just it's so bold and really is, really yeah. really striking.
1: It's I think the, that's
2: it. You, you you don't need the color. You don't even need the blood to to be read. It's implied, isn't it? You know what's happened. You don't. need Yeah, the shot yeah. it's factor. a it's a
1: funny film in lots of ways because it's almost stripped down of of lots of you you traditional film things like you said about sets uh, and and obviously budget would have been there. The production would have been you know the visual and the the, the time and resources went into so that would have been massive, but it doesn't. Feel like a, a film on a on a great scale, but what it delivers is is quite incredible, really. So, it, it's it's using technology and animation in in combination with film, which is quite rare in a non animated film. There's a film called A Scattered Darkly, which is a, a Robert Downey Jr. film and and Kiana Reeves and various others, and that's kind of a. A similar kind of styling. It's like a, a an animated but live acted film. It's it's quite quite different, but it's worth a check out if you've not seen it. It's kind of ah, twitchy narcotics film, and, and everyone's on some kind of drugs, and it's the way it plays out on, on film. But it's it's really good. Um, but it, it's quite similar to Sin City in that regard. And there's not many films that, that have done that. Um, the films like Inception, you know they're real films but they use technology in a in a a kind of cityscape do you know what i mean whereas this does feel you know very very different in that regard i mean the driving scenes and the city backdrop um and the kind of heavy rain and the bridge scene you know we need to talk about marv next anyway but um the bridge scene with marv and those kind of scenes with him are all visually quite incredible he gets the bulk of the the movement and different different scenes and different backgrounds, really. So I think having Mickey Rourke was quite a, a big move. So, I mean, Mickey Rourke's career is, you know, we talk about Robert Downey's uh, substance abuse. I think Mickey Rourke um, might slightly beat him, which is quite impressive, to be honest.
2: Um, yeah, he, he makes him look quite the choir boy. And this was very much... Uh, during the the lull in his career wasn't it they, i think this was during the time when a lot of people didn't want to touch him
1: yeah he was he was left for dead for a long time because he'd, he'd basically well he'd probably pissed off enough people in hollywood to not even get a gig i was you know gonna I mean? say
2: i think he, i think he burned so many bridges that eventually people had just stopped just stopped bothering with him stop
1: casting him in films that were significant anyway yeah. let's put it that way because big actors will always get a gig um some terrible films you know along the way but you know he was oh he's in his 50s by that stage he
2: looks about 70 in fairness because he's just so abused <laughs> but um and that wasn't yeah. even any makeup that's just what he looked like at the time <laughs>
1: so he'd done a couple of films around that time he'd done a small stint in man of fire but he'd barely kind of done anything around that period i mean his big comeback film He's a wrestler, really, which he got an Oscar for, and that was three years later. Um, But I would say this is probably the film that kickstarted him back into getting those kind of gigs, do you know what I mean? He's in Iron Man 2 as well, isn't he? And, yeah, before that, he, he really was kind
2: of washed up, which is quite sad because he'd always been known for having a kind of stellar career. Well, he was one of those, wasn't he? He was, he was ever-present in the 80s. He was in so many things and so many yeah. big things that... Huge, re- really, really hold their own.
1: Yeah, and it was just—it's one of those actors that that probably just needed the right director and re- need the right script. And and frankly, I mean, I I think Benicio del Toro steals this film. If you're talking about individual acting, but he's not far off. Do you know what I mean? It's Marv's character is extremely likeable for a man that's extremely violent at li- nearly all times, isn't he?
2: Um, oh God. Yeah. The, the, there's very few times when he's doing anything where he isn't beating the snot out of someone.
1: Yeah. And I mean, the, the scene for me that I, I remember so visually is when he's trying to get information and he's driving his car and he's plowing that guy's face into the ground as he's driving along. So he's got the car door open and, um, and it's just the way he, he's obsessed with getting other people's coats, um, which I absolutely love. It's like you're bleeding all over that lovely coat. So every time he kills someone that's got a nice coat, he upgrades his coat. Um, he's quite a lovable character for, for someone like that. You know, his, his forgetfulness uh, because, I don't know, he's on medication, isn't he, which he, he always tells you. Um, and he goes to see his parole officer, um, and he, she gives him the pills, and he's literally taking pills, but
2: it doesn't. Do you know what I mean? He's just, he's just not in the right mindset. Um, but we don't really know what's wrong with him, do? We? He just says that. He, he, he hints at there being some kind of really deep problem about him falling into full-on psychopathy or something yeah, like that. Yeah, he but, does. Yeah, but we don't really, and it's, and that adds to the element because to to the the mystique of him because you sort of. Well, I don't. I've never read any of the Sin City comics. Maybe, no. maybe it's something that they've covered covered in some of the other uh, of the books. So, if anyone does know if that's ever covered more about Marv's background and you know why he is the way he is, why he's so seemingly impervious to to dying unless he cut his head off, uh, then please do tell us. But at some point, it is something I personally want to go back to is to read them. But yeah. have you ever seen the way that Marv's drawn?
1: I have a couple of times, and yeah. They did a pretty
2: good job, didn't he? in terms of... They did an incredible people. job. They yeah. did a very, 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 very close sort of transfer of from page to screen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they did. And I, I think that the scene when, you know, he's got the plasters literally all over his face, yeah. um, th- those kind of really stand out. And he's obviously got extremely kind of weird chiseled features and it, it does make him look quite, you know, he says he's not visually attracted, so he can never get a girl like, you know, like Goldie unless he, you know, tried, so he's he's set up basically, is, is the, the play with him. Um, I'm not sure why he's set up, that's the only thing oh no, I know why, so he sleeps with the, um, the they want the prostitute dead basically, so uh, she she happens to sleep with him and Elijah Wood's character, you know, sneaks in in the dead at night and kills her And and they try and frame him for it. Uh, And he doesn't know how to sit down, does he? Let's be honest. So he's always going to go out swinging. Um, That scene when he comes out of the room and he just smashes the doors open and like blows two of them backwards. And then it's almost like it's quite similar to the uh, Civil War in terms of the the hallway scene. So he jumps off the the stairwell and, you know, catches uh, the bars of the, you know, Bannister's about you know four four stories down, um, he's an absolute brute man. I, I he's just such a good character, but kind of he meets his match a little bit in Elijah Woods' character, doesn't he? So Elijah Woods just something else. Um, so he, he finds he tracks him down, goes to the farm, um, and then. He gets his eyes scratched out. Basically, um, ends up in the basement with his parole officer, who's
2: had her arm chewed off. Yeah, because it turns out that Kevin is a cannibal and he's eating people, but keeping um, their heads. Yes, it, because he wants trophies he, on
1: the wall. yes.
2: yeah, and because he he, he feels that he when he eats someone, he also ingests their soul.
1: Yeah, that's what uh, that what character
2: says doesn't it that, that, the, yeah, the, yeah that's what the cardinal says so again yeah. another very 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 deep twisted subject that's, that's really hard to put your <laughs> foot around
1: it really doesn't man and that's the thing with this film I mean we talked about Jessica Jones and Daredevil I mean Jessica Jones we need to cover but the, the kind of subtle reference to things in those or the slightly edgier this film is just on a different level to that I mean it's it's a proper R rated film isn't it you oh know? god um, yeah and that, that scene in particular. So he they escape from there and he, he goes to the, the hardware store um, and the guy just says he, he, he's sprucing up the home security system and he's buying barbed wire and hacksaws and those kind of special gloves. And he's basically laying a trap and he's got handcuffs. Um, and Elijah Wood's you know, wary of it. He, he jumps the barbed wire and, and gets in close. But as soon as he gets the handcuffs on him, Marv just Literally knocks the shit out of it. What he does, he, um, he
2: sparks him out with one punch because he, he he obviously no having fought him once before. He knows if he's got time and space, he can't touch him. So the only way you can do it is he's got to keep him close to him, so he's within arms reach. Yeah, get him in a punching contest, and he's fucking useless. Exactly. And exactly. Poor, poor Kevin doesn't stand a chance. And then the way he actually. He, he wants to get his revenge, doesn't he? By now, he's, he's met Goldie's twin. At first, Goldie and all the other prostitutes... Uh, sorry, Wendy and yeah. all the other prostitutes think that he killed Goldie. He, yeah, they do. And yeah. he, he, he wins them over where logic prevails. You know, he, he just explains himself. He doesn't need to do anything. And she comes in and she wants to shoot him in the head, doesn't she? She wants to kill Kevin. But yeah. what he comes up with is just beyond twisted.
1: He's, he knows how to get his revenge. Let's put it that way. So he
2: and he's a man who enjoys his revenge.
1: Oh, he loves it. He loves bringing the wolf in that scene when the the kind of you know canine kind of wolf's dog comes through, and he the guy's still smiling that smile. And that's the thing about Elijah Wood's character. Um, you know, he keeps saying he's smiling that smile even when his head's being cut off. Not once does he scream. Not once does he flinch. It's it's quite a shocking scene to be honest um, and again the black and
2: white element of that when the dog comes up and starts chewing on his legs you know um, and the way it's shot with the, the, the one thing you always see about Kevin you always see his glasses yes so he, he's always got that rather than highlighting you know the blue of his eyes or the green or whatever it's yeah. just that you don't even see his eyes through the glasses do you, you see just two sheets of white so again yeah, exactly. very striking and I think it gives him quite a menacing edge because there's oh, there's, there's always something off putting and a little bit wary about anyone who who you can't see their eyes, and and the, the the expression on his face, the the sinister grin that he's got. Again, it makes him look very unfeeling, barely barely even human. That no matter what he does, he's always just got that little wry smile on his face.
1: Yeah, very I asked a couple questions on. Ask for a couple of questions on on Twitter and a few of our faithful especially those that I ask kindly who are joining our podcast but um, I asked a few others uh, Chris Erickson um, asked us, which is quite good who would you rather be alone with that yellow bastard or Kevin the mute cannibal
2: the yellow bastard without a yes. shadow of a doubt I'd, yeah, because
1: A, we're male and, and adults, so I don't think we're his cup of tea necessarily. No. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be near Kevin. He
2: scares the life out of me. That is a scary character. Um, and it was a, he's, a good, very clever bit of casting to get Elijah Wood. You would assume Elijah Wood in a film was going to be playing a good boy, wouldn't you? You wouldn't think he was going to be playing a cannibal.
1: Exactly. With, exactly. with
2: strangely animal-like claws and oh, cat-like it's, it's, agility.
1: That, I mean, you know, just talking about this does make me want to read the comics and learn a bit more, do you know what I mean? Because yes, it, is, nice. it is kind of one of those things that I, I just, there's nothing really like this kind of film and nothing really like the style. Um, I'll do a couple of other questions before we cover a couple of the other kind of arcs in the story, really. So, um, Chris, 433 Chris. For Milan, us what special movie for you. Uh, what makes it a special movie? Basically, I think for, for both of us, it's 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 probably the visuals, isn't it? That we, we talked about. I mean, the acting for me, and the script and the narrative is is great, uh, and the way that's kind of narrated throughout. Um, it's 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 just different. Uh, like I said, it's not one of my favorite films, but. It's one of my most memorable films. Do you know what I mean? And, and that means quite a lot. You know, if if you ask me to name a film that was that's extremely brutal and violent and,
2: and, and would shock someone, this is probably up there. You know, um, yeah, definitely it, the, it, the the visual side. I mean, the, the, I also like the way it's broken up. I like the fact it tells you ultimately yes. it's telling you one story. It's telling you the story of Basin City, isn't it? AKA Sin City. Exactly. But from the from the point of view of three protagonists, really. Uh, but the, all the stories link in together. So yeah, got... they
1: interwine incredibly. It's, it's like it's, it's like a comic book coming to life. That's the whole point, isn't it? Basically, you know yeah, I mean? it, that's it, rare.
2: It's what five maybe no, is it five or six chapters back to back? Not not linear in the terms of you know you've got Yellow Bastard parts one no. or two, they're at opposing ends. But it's linear in terms of B follows A, C follows B, and it yeah, all fits yeah, yeah. together into one very big two hour two hour you know, epic really, I hate the word, but it is an epic film, certainly just just from the appearance, and same as you, not one of my favourites. I, I don't know where I'd put it in my all-time favourites, but it certainly wouldn't be top 10, maybe not even 20 or 30. But if you were to say to me what's the most striking film you've ever seen visually, it would probably be the first one off.
1: It there would be at, mine, 100%, mouth. yeah, yeah. Joey Connors asks, is Jessica Arba the most beautiful woman on
2: Earth? Well, um, obviously. Yeah, pretty easy answer. Oh, Scarlett Scarlett Johansson gives you a bit of room for a money. No, Jessica Alba. Until Scarlett Johansson dances in Arseless Chaps, (laughs) it's always going to be Jessica Alba. I
1: know there's a few Rosario Dawson fans as well, and she does look pretty good as well, let's be honest. And she's Um, also,
2: she's a fucking badass in that as well. She is. That that Uzi scene, we need to talk about that in a minute. Yeah.
1: Um, So... Joey says how do we feel about the film noir in Sin City or the usage of film noir? Does Frank Miller's writing style uh, appeal on screen? I think it appeals. We're clearly fans. I think that I, I like noir films, um, kind of traditional ones in different sense, like LA Confidential I love. Um, noir is a kind of... Well, I mean, gaming as well. If I talk about gaming with La Noir, which was pretty dull but still pretty cool. Oh, I um, loved La Noir, Yeah, I just accused everyone all the time of being guilty. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could never read the tells in that game, um, but yeah, I, I do like the noir style. It's quite, it's quite different, and, and in comic books, it's not, it's not common, is it? Do you know what I mean? So it, it's quite, it's quite a different kind of film and the way it's told. Someone asks, Adrian Ordones, uh, asks, what do we think is Sin City 2? Uh, I'll be truthful. So I've not watched it yet because I said before, I I do really love this film. So I don't, and I does get mixed reviews. And I, for some reason, I just never got round to it. And then whenever I've kind of thought about it, I'm, like, well, I'm not sure if I want to because I'm a bit worried it would leave a bit of a sour taste compared to how I, I kind of hold the original in, in regard, but Stu's watched it, I think.
2: Yeah, it, it's okay. I mean, it, I didn't even realize going into it that it's a prequel. Yeah, I knew it was a prequel. Cool. Yeah. It, it's set just before uh, the events of uh, the hard goodbye. Right. But uh, I couldn't tell you anything that happened in it. I mean, I've only seen it the once I saw it when it came out at the cinema was really excited for it. It was good. It wasn't great, and I wouldn't say it was especially memorable. It, it, yeah. it's, it's got a lot of the same things, and I think that's its biggest downfall. It is Sin City 2. It is a sequel. So everything I, that we've I kind said of that makes it to unique... be
1: a, I wanted it to be a sequel because I thought having the same characters in there, I know there's a couple of different ones, but it wasn't as appealing because we've seen them Go through it all. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, and um, we've seen the way they they die or what happens to them. So, I was a little bit dubious about that. So, I, I will check it out. I think having kind of discussed this a little bit, so it, I think I will that watch it.
2: It loses the impact, you know, when you've when you see Sin City one, the, the 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 way it's filmed really grabs your attention. But when you see the second one, you've you've not got that impact. You already know it's going to be shot the same way. So when they're doing all the noir things where it's really black, yeah. and then all of a sudden there's a letterbox of light across Ava Green's eyes, and the eyes stand out. It's great, but it's a trick that you've already seen done before. You know, you've seen it more often. I would say the the most striking one in the first one is actually Alexis Bledel because she's got very, very vibrant blue eyes. Yes, the, the, the girl that plays Becky, the treacherous the Gil- prostitute, the
1: Gilmore girl, is all she's known for. Otherwise, I think,
2: yeah, yeah. So it, it, employing the same tricks and the same techniques they 've lost all the impact that made them great, so did it need to be made probably not but i don 't i don 't know whether they're planning on making a third one but uh, a, i, I don 't think it did particularly well um, it, it didn't
1: and I looked at the first one the first one you know forty million is tiny
2: when you think um, when you think how cut an edge it was with all the digital that they did yeah, very, very surprised, but bear in mind though forty million in 2005 well 2003 2004 money because it was out in 05 yeah i wonder what that would be the equivalent of now i mean you must be talking sort of deadpool budget maybe 70 80
1: yeah i think that's fair um i think it did worldwide uh including the u.s about 130 40 so
2: yeah it it did well you know and and it's critically acclaimed and and i think was it a Dame to kill for lost money that, yeah. that cost 65 million to make and it made 40 so yeah, 25, 25 million in the red is not good when you think we won't be seeing another one again let's put it that way no. studios
1: need to make money
2: so when, when you think, it, think it, really was, right. a, it was a Miramax film so it's not like it's being backed by a small studio it was a pretty big one oh yeah and it was a pretty monumental failure really by anyone's standards
1: yeah one last question I think we'll do and then move on uh, Chris Erickson Biggest surprise, Josh Hartnett's
2: career falling apart or Nick Offerman's taking off after this movie? Nick Offerman, because I didn't even know that he was in it until I watched it back today and thought, holy shit, I can't remember, is it is it Shrub? Yeah, I can't remember what he, part he does he, have, he, actually. Well, he, let me just double check on the cast list. Yeah, but Schlub, that's it, Bert Schlub. So he's one of the he's one of the henchmen, isn't he? But I thought he was a henchman. Yeah, yeah, I thought he was a henchman. But they're they're oh. so the other guy whose name completely escapes me. They're both really eloquent, so they're talking, but they're talking yeah. like a couple of science professors.
1: Yeah, is it are they the are they the ones that uh, with Michael Clark Duncan's character
2: mm, in that yeah. storyline? No, they're I, the I one, love they're the, the ones that turn up to the motel after Hardigan. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah, ones yeah. where they where they, they turn up in a in a an old Ferrari or something, a little two seater sports car, and the the other one's asking Schlub like where in this wonderful streamlined car as erection inducing as it is or as hard on as cargo-inducing <laughs> I as it love, is, Are we I to love store de- are we to transport our precious cargo? It's the way he says it rather than just going, where are we supposed to put the fucking body? It's, exactly. I, it's, exactly. It's just it's, a, a nice, I think nice this film. Twist. You know, it's a
1: two-hour film, but it it doesn't feel like it's got any fillers. You know, there aren't any kind of extras or smaller parts that don't have a purpose in the film. Do you know what I mean? It is very well cut and and, and very well works in that regard. Josh Allen's career, uh, did it ever really take off? Uh, Let's be honest, I I mean, he was... I'm going to go with no. He was popular, but I don't think he ever did. Nobody knows why. I don't think he ever did anything that was was particularly standout. I, I'm quite a big fan of Lucky Number 7. I think it's a really good film. And that was that was a year after this. But then, you know, after that, he's, he's really not done a lot. But then before that, had he done a great deal? I mean, he was quite a young actor doing Black Hawk Down. I suppose he was in Pearl Harbor and stuff, but I don't know. I I, I never saw his career going like a DiCaprio or anything. I just don't think he had the acting talent
2: to, to pull it off. And, he, he's you know. very wooden. He, yeah he he doesn't seem like he's the kind of person that's got you know m- multiple layers that he can call upon to you know portray loads of different parts he seems very much one-dimensional the the only other thing i can ever remember seeing him in was the black dahlia
1: yeah exactly which... we talked questions we talked a large chunk of the film talked a large chunk about the visuals Um we've got one more storyline to cover and i think that's was done with sincerity to be yeah. honest um so the last story is the one involving at first britney murphy this one's called the, the big yes. Fast hill so i i like the storyline i think this is although it's not it's it's more there's more characters in the storyline isn't it do you know what i mean so it's a slightly different feel to it than the others, in my opinion. The others feel quite isolated about maybe individuals rather than this one, which is just a little bit more open. There's a few more characters in there. Um, Clive Owen, I think, is great. What do you think of Clive Owen as a general
2: rule? I, any- I like him. I, don't, I can't honestly say that I've seen him in that much, or certainly I can't think that I've seen him in that much, but I think he's one of those people that's been in a lot more things than you actually think he has. Uh,
1: have you ever seen a film called Children of Men?
2: Uh, No, I've never even heard of a film called Children of Men
1: That's his most known film That's a really good film actually It's got quite a weird premise um, That basically people stop able to. It's like a modern sci-fi So uh, it's kind of like Now that Brexit's happened It's what will happen to the country in 50 years When everything goes to shit
0: Yay. Um,
1: Yay! And basically London's in anarchy And it's all because women can't have children anymore so everyone's getting older, um, and they come across a girl who's pregnant, and she's kind of being fought over by different sides. It's
2: it's a really trust me, it's a really good film. Um, it's worth wow. checking out. I've just noticed. Um, I've just looked at the uh, at the film at the uh, the cast list, yeah. and um, the guy that plays Black Panther was in it. No, sorry, no, not Black Panther. No. No, he's uh, he's playing Baron Mordo in uh, Doctor Strange. I'm You're not going to
1: oh. chitawattel Igo for is that the guy? Chitwatel
2: Igo for, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a pretty well-known
1: British actor. Julian Barnes and Michael Caine. It's a pretty stellar cast. The reason most people like it is it's because it's an Alfonso Cuaron film, and because did... it's
2: got Charlie Hunnam, and everyone loves Charlie Hunnam.
1: They do. But he did like he's done Gravity, um, but preview to that, he was y2 mama uh tambien and, and all those kind of things so he's quite a cool director that moves into the kind of mainstream but it's really worth a watch it's a good film no um, yeah, it
2: sounds quite good though it,
1: it's really interesting it really really is but his career is kind of it's it's kind of gone in in, in stages do you know what i mean he's always tipped to be a bond or he's always tipped to be this that and the other um but I, I think he's really good in this i mean i think it's it's a really solid portrayal, and I think his accent really works for the narrative. Um, but the one who steals it, to me, is Benicio
2: del Toro, in, in this whole do you section. Do you, know uh, who my, do you know who my favourite character of this section is? Go on. Devon Aoki. Uh, what's her name? Neo. Well, Ni- Niho, I'm sure it is. Niho, or Niho, yes. You always call her as, like, Deadly Niho. Oh yes, uh, absolutely brilliant cuz she's a proper sadist the bit where she jumps off the roof. She's a proper sadist. And she, she stabs yeah. uh two or three of the guys through the roof with her katanas and then yes. when the fourth one tries to escape she just locks his head off and she never says a word during she the whole thing does say a word.
1: Deadly little mehow or whatever, you know, she creeps up on the IRA guy with the uh yeah, when they're in the toilet. When the sewer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um uh, it's it, the whole scene's really good. I mean it, when he flushes the Panaceo style to or his you know,
2: face in the toilet. Um and, and he never lets go of his Siggy. He doesn't. Something I noticed before he's getting he's getting the world's worst swirly, and, and he's just missed the <laughs> toilet. And he still keeps his ciggy in between his teeth. He's, as well. he's just quite
1: incredible. The the scene in the car um, where he's been made into a Pez dispenser, um, and that scene God, was directed by talking. that scene was directed by Quentin Tarantino, which you can kind of tell actually because I mean it's it's the same kind of style, but he loves a bit of that kind of you know Rodriguez and Tarantino are very closely hand in hand in the way they direct it's a very and, dark humour, you know, isn't it? It is very dark humour. I uh, just don't think there's many actors like that Benito Del Toro. You know, there's not many like him that could pull it off. I mean, he's, he's a great actor. He's one of my favourite actors, really. Um,
2: and he's just got a really dry, grizzle voice throughout it. Until and his head lolls backwards and then all of a sudden he, he goes really He dangling. goes slightly
1: high pitch and it's, it's such a change. Um, and it's great that it's just kind of in his imagination throughout. And even when his mouth is taped over, he's still kind of trying to mumble yeah. to him in his own head. I just think it's just brilliant. Um, I think that whole, whole section's good. So the story is around, uh, is it the old town, uh, yeah, yeah. where the kind of prostitutes, you know, rule the roost basically. Um, and that's all run by Rosario Dawson. Um, I think it's a really good story. Again, it's something that makes me want to explore more with the comics because he's almost a kingpin character, isn't he? Michael Michael Clark Duncan's um, guy with a kind of gold eye. Yeah. Um, and he, he keeps, keeps massaging her face and, and oh, he's, he's quite an intimidating character. It's a bit of a curse for a few actresses because <laughs> a few died quite after, suddenly after filming this film, to be honest. Um, I think Brittany Murphy and him, it was one of their last films. Hers,
2: hers wasn't too far after it.
1: No, they, they said they wanted to get a sequel made because ugh, the, the whole joke was, and it's it's dark humour, but um, that they don't want anyone else to die before they do the sequel, basically.
2: Um that is a bit just, fucking
1: dark. I know exactly, but they've been watching Sin City, so I get it. But um but it's quite sad because there's, there's some really good actors in it. I think Britney Murphy, to me, it was it was almost a standout into a different style because she'd done some terrible rom coms before it. And obviously it's quite a it's quite a hammy. Performance. It's an overactive performance, but yes. she's she's playing it on. It's it's played that way. Do you know what I mean? It's she, it's supposed to be that way. Very
2: cheesy, isn't she? Very over the top. Very very grandiose.
1: Yeah, but I, you know she acts it well because that's clearly the way she's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's it's quite sad that you know uh, that that these actors weren't able to be involved in more things because both died you know far too young, really. But it's yeah, visually it's a great story. It's another case of. Betrayal, isn't it? Because uh, the girl you mentioned before is the one that that rats them out, basically. Alexis As, a, as an opportunity to to take over old town, because they killed a cop, um, and he's basically trying to dump the bodies uh, before the IRA turned up. And
2: and that's it, a great little twist, isn't it? You know, you,
1: it is a weird twist, you, but it's great
2: because it, I, I I completely forgot about it when I rewatched it before, and I, I like the fact that they're about to get rid of Jackie Boy's body, and then you find this cop badge and you sort of think oh shit this is not yeah. going to end well and yeah. it, it obviously doesn't and then you, the, the the delve more into the why it's going to end badly because they've got this this un, unwritten rule of the prostitutes have got the old town and the cops don't go in but they don't venture out and they they They've got a bit of a martial law thing going on, haven't is they? there's certainly
1: martial law, yeah, exactly. But the,
2: the cops are okay with it because it's easier to just let the girls do what they want to do rather than the, the police wading in and having to potentially die or get shot themselves. They're happy to just let them do it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the, the ending scene in that is that uh, you know, basically everyone's captured, um, and he brings back the head, uh, Jackie Boy's head in trade for Rosario Dawson's character. And all the girls are lined up on the roof, and they just slaughter a lot of them basically after the, the bomb goes off. Um, and all the while he's narrating about this Valkyrie by his side. Um, and they've got such a such a weird relationship, do you know what I mean? It's such a bizarre kind of thing. But it works really well. Um and the visuals with that, with a you know, the gun just you know, firing back and forward um in that kind of dark alleyway. Oh, I think it's an incredible scene. It's one of many incredible scenes really. It's a film full of them. So um yeah, again, another story interlines the whole thing. I think
2: that's the best bit about it, isn't it? That all the characters kind of come across each other uh, in some form or another. Um, and ev- everybody at some point in the film is in the bar as well. Yeah, exactly. That that That's like the, the, the hub that, that ties it all together.
1: Yeah, exactly, because Brittany Worthy works there, doesn't she? And Clive Owens there at one stage. And Mark uh, goes um, in there to drink. He's regularly now there um, Bruce Willis comes out, he's, he's going to meet, well, going to track down uh, the sweet little Nancy, Nancy that he, he didn't think would be the girl that works, you know, as a stripper in the in the bar. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's a film I think a lot of people haven't seen, you know, which is why I thought we, we should really do this because we don't get to do this often. Uh, the films we normally cover are watched by absolute masses, and I think because things are so trendy now, this might go under the radar of a lot of people who've
2: kind of recently got into this genre of things. Um, Would you say it's fair to say that Sin City has still very much got a, a cult following? Yeah, huge. Yeah, because it, it, it's it's not what you'd really consider to be a mainstream film, is it even just no, no, no. The, the style alone is going to put off a lot of people and then you've got the the really, really dark undertones running through it of child molestation it's a, it's a, it's and a huge abuse. cult it's a huge cult film
1: and to be honest they're the kind of films that if you've seen it at the time or you enjoyed it and you and your friends enjoyed it they're sometimes you feel like i don't know a little bit more individual because i love the mass films and we you know we're both massive marvel fanboys and Stuff. Um, but it's quite nice to appreciate a film that maybe other people haven't seen And then maybe try and introduce them to it Like I said, me and Joey and, and Joe Simpson did The Warriors A lot of people haven't seen The Warriors It's a great film, you know, from the late 70s uh, And there's films like that, that you know Whereas Joey would normally cover quite mainstream films on movie night Because, you know, that's what people want to hear Do you know what I mean? But it's quite nice to educate a little bit where you can um, A lot of people see Blade uh, maybe Watchmen, you know Scott Pilgrim, some of the other films that you kind of like, and we've talked about, but not that many. So there are a lot of films that we will eventually cover. You know, Kick Ass is another one. Uh, did really well, actually, didn't it? The box office, Kick Ass.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: but again, probably now has died off and more of a cult type film. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't see people talking about that kind of film now. Um, whereas it probably sparked a little bit the kind of Deadpool esque. R-rated, so did this. It shows that there's an R-rated area for comic book films, do you know what I mean? And and they kind of sit slightly outside the mainstream, but they're still got... They're still worthy of being made, do you know what I mean? I mean, well, Deadpool just blew everyone away. Imagine a film making 700 plus million, and it's (laughs) that style and that R-rated, do you know what I mean? It's crazy to think, when you look at this film, it's 10 years ago, it made like, like a a tiny p- proportion of that. So yeah, it's mad. Anything else before we wrap?
2: No, I, I think that's, I think we've, we've done a pretty succinct job of, uh, of wrapping that all up.
1: Yeah. I pretty much speed talked for all that, but thanks for bearing with us. It's, it is a good film. I, I do think everyone should check it out. It is on Netflix as is Sin City too. Um, it's in high definition. It looks ace. It really is worth a watch. It's Visually definitely alone.
2: worth watching. It, it, it's only two hours I, and people watch all sorts of shit so watch a film
1: that's quite quite original quite unique and i like i like unique films i like individual films and, and we both do a lot so yeah check it out if you need to uh, follow any of us if you haven't ever listened before we are at ai comic Pod. um the website is ai comic com. am i right in thinking that dot
2: co.uk we're keeping well, it real keeping, keeping it, it real UK. Nice. Uh, and then we're on Facebook as well. Yep, facebook.com slash AI comic pod, unsurprisingly.
1: So we, we mentioned we're going to do Gotham probably
2: next. Um, Once and then, he yeah. caught up on season two.
1: We, we're enjoying the kind of feedback, so maybe you've got a comic only pubs come
2: after that. Maybe
1: that's the one that needs to follow. Um, and then we're looking at Suicide Squad. I would imagine because that's rolling around that, pretty that, soon. That's
2: out in August, yeah. So that that's that that's gathering some traction now. We'll. I think we might have seen all of the trailers that we're going to get for that.
1: Yeah, I think so. There'll be a few t- TV spots and maybe a couple of different bits and pieces. Yeah. But, yeah.
2: But, um, there was that on a on a bit of a related tangent. There was a. I saw a little interview before with. Uh, James Gunn and James Gunn has confirmed that he, Chris Pratt and a load of the other cast from Guardians 2 are going to be at San Diego Comic Con oh, and they're going to have some footage Can we just go? Can we just I'd love find to. a way to go? Right Everyone, if, if you want Rory and I to go to Comic Con, <laughs> can you send messages to Gags telling him to make it an official AI thing because then we don't have to pay for it and it will save us thousands Yeah and I'll yeah. wear it. We'll wear branded T-shirts and all kinds of crap.
1: Brand, Stu, Stu's already said he'd do anything for a retweet, and he, he's a complete hawk. So am. just just putting the word out there, he will do anything for a ticket to San Diego Comic Con.
2: Pretty much. I mean, if there's anyone that you don't especially like, I'll probably kill people. Yeah, stabby ones. Yeah, I could stab someone. I can scratch people. I could give him a really <laughs> stern talking to. <laughs> Lots of finger wagging. I'll do anything to get to San Diego Comic Con.
1: Uh, One day, one day, my friend, we will find a way to go. I don't know how, but you know, if we do it as some kind of legitimate charity appeal and sell it well, do some kind of video enhanced trailer or you know, like an Oxfam appeal for us, I I don't think that's really ethical, but we could, you know, we could make it work.
2: We we might be there in time for Guardians 3, maybe, (laughs) Maybe. Guardians 17. Oh
1: yeah. man! Um, right, he's just
2: Groot. There's only Groot, and he's a re- he's one of those really old, crusty trees where the bits have started falling off, and <laughs> and he's just covered in dog piss.
1: <laughs>
2: poor Groot. He's had hard life. I do There's anyway the better to to end that. One, really. So yeah, look, thank man. you very much. Yeah, thanks for listening. Um, hope you've enjoyed. And take it easy. See yeah. you see See you later.